Amen. So I'm in a series this morning sharing with you what's trending. And uh, that term trending means what's going on uh, in our culture, and really our culture is globally now. What's going on around the world? What's trending? What's news? What's in the atmosphere? What's in the conscience and the psyche of mankind at this time? And with what's trending, how many of you know that God has a present truth to speak to what the issue is? He's got a reality. It's not new revelation, not new truth, but it is the Word of God spoken prophetically with an unction for a time such as this. How many of you remember the story of Esther? Esther was brought in as the queen, and Mordecai said to her, uh, her uncle said, it was for such a time as this that you brought in. Now that's a present reality of God's presence to in fact save Israel at that time, right? It's an amazing story. And that's the concept of a present truth. So we have the Word of God, but God's got a present truth for the reality of what's trending in our world. And as a church, we need to be like sons of Issachar. We need to discern the times, that's understanding the trends, and knowing what Israel should do, that's having a present truth, to respond to it. And so we're doing that. Let me review this for you. If some of you weren't here last week, uh, I took you to Matthew 24, which tells of the last days. Now, we could have d- disagreements and arguments as to when the last days are. I do know this. We're closer to the last days than we were when the last days began. The last days began at Pentecost. Peter stood up and said, this is that which Joel spoke of in the last days. So this is the period of the last days, 2,000 years of last days. So I know we're closer to the last days than, than they began in the last days. All right, so I'm safe with that. But I think we can go to Matthew 24, obviously a much, much debated portion of Scripture uh, as to uh, if you're a preterist, you believe it already took place in 70 A.D., and uh, if you're a futurist, you know it's coming, uh, yet to come, and uh, I believe it's yet to come because it's going to bring something that has never been experienced on the earth before, and the destruction of the temple was not uh, as earth-shattering that Matthew 24 will describe. In fact, uh, uh, much in prophecy is an overlap. There's a present and a future in it. It's like when you look at a landscape and you can see mountains in front of us, but if you were to turn to the side, you would see the distance between those two mountain peaks. So there was a present reality Jesus was speaking to his apostles in that generation, but it was also a foreshadowing of what was coming in the future. Are you with me? Am I going too fast? Hang on to your seats because we're going to go faster, okay? Now, just to review, what I took you through in Matthew 24 is Jesus summed up three things that are going to be trending in the last days. Those three things are deception, devastation, and depravity. We took a look last week at deception. And when I brought you into Matthew 24, we heard how Jesus warned them, take heed that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name saying, I am the Messiah. They'll deceive many. They'll be false prophets. They'll show great signs and wonders to deceive even possibly the very elect. That's quite a deception. That the people who have truth living and abiding in them, 
would even be at a place where they're wondering and concerned because that's how big the delusion is and the deception is. It's going to be extreme. And I brought you some extreme cases last week because I need you to get ready for that. It's not going to show up in, in what you think it's going to be. Just like when Jesus showed up as Messiah, nobody understood what Messiah was going to accomplish. And so we need to see that there's going to be quite a deception. What I helped you understand in this trending of the deception is that uh, there is going to be an attack on human identity. Really what I see as the deception that's coming is actually it's the reorientation of what is human. The way to deceive mankind is to alter their understanding of who they actually are. That's how you get into such a deep deception. It's not necessarily the things around you, though there'll be many things around us, but the greatest deception happens internally. How many of you know that? And so it's going to reconsider and reconstruct what is human. And I brought you into the first phase, which is identity. We've been seeing it before our eyes, the trending identity of what is sexuality, what is male and female, and transgendering, changing the very identity of human sexuality and gender and also body modification into the next level, which is transhumanism, morphing into beyond the next evolutionary step of, of what man is, and then thirdly, alien life. And that kind of trips some of you up, but you can handle it. And that is that there are going to be experiences that, in fact, are spiritual, yet brought into a physical realm in such a dimension that people will believe they're, they're aliens and UFOs. Well, they are alien to the human identity and uh, these aliens whether they have uh, big heads and almond eyes or whether they're lizard-like or whether they're gray or whether they're blue uh, they're they're going to be something different of an altered understanding and many people are going to buy into it how many of you know that Uh, most folks have already bought into it it's it's a done deal except the church goes oh i don't know and it's like really everybody else does So catch up. All right, so that's the deception, the strong delusion. Now, I want to bring a smile to your face. I hate to bring you down, but we also have to get real. And so the second topic we're going to look at what's trending now is devastation. Isn't that a fun topic? All right. But let's understand something about the second point of what is coming and what is trending, and that's devastation. Matthew 24, 6. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. Tell your neighbor, don't be troubled. Isn't that an amazing statement? You're going to see wars and rumors of wars and reports of wars, and there's going to be a lot of that activity. Hey, but don't be troubled. Uh, Later, Jesus tells us, why should we not be troubled by the things of this world? For I have overcome the world. The troublemaker is the world. The world system. He said, I've overcome the world. So have my peace. So the church should understand what's trending and have the peace of God in the midst of this trial, in the midst of this trouble. Amen? Amen. All right. Now, hey, getting into Matthew 24, I uh, have proclaimed 
uh, a post-tribulation rapture. That's where I've come from. I used to believe in a pre-trib. I would like to, I had a conversation this week that was very helpful to me. I would like to make sure that I don't offend my brothers and sisters that are pre-tribulation. Sometimes in my excitement, I, I might give an emphasis as if, um, uh, you know, my view's better or, or they don't know what they're talking about. I never want to present that because when it comes to the timing of the last days, nobody has an accurate or fully comprehension of it. And I never, this is not anything that should divide the body of Christ when the rapture comes, okay? It shouldn't. It's peripheral. It's not essential to your salvation. So if you believe in a pre-trib, then uh, you're preparing for Christ to return before the seven years. I, I see it as a post-trib where the church is necessary to be in this time of trouble to bring salvation to the planet through the church and uh, would go up afterwards. If I'm wrong, I'll see you in the air. That's good. If, if you're wrong, I'm with you, my brother, and we're standing together for the witness of Jesus Christ. Amen. Don't let this divide us. Amen. So again, I I definitely want to make sure that I apologize if sometimes in my excitement I have said something that made you feel, um, um, I don't know, that if I put it down or not. So please forgive that. Now let's look at Matthew 24. And you will hear of wars, rumors of wars, see that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, that's ethnic wars, and kingdom against kingdom, that's political wars, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. All right? That's not a pretty picture, but hey, hasn't this been going on the entire human history? Yeah, it's just that it's going to ramp up and it may visit your neighborhood. You know, we sit here and we go, oh, I don't think that could ever happen. But you talk to the people in China, you talk to the people in India, you talk to the people who are persecuted, you talk to the people who have just gone through earthquakes and devastation regularly. You know, it's here. So we have to realize that devastation is happening and it's coming. Now, how much is this trending? It's very interesting that this has happened and ramped up and there was a particular event that in the psyche of mankind and globally, something broke loose on a particular day in 2001. Maybe you're familiar with it. Something happened in the spirit realm and in the earth realm after 2001. In fact, most psychologists, sociologists identified generations based on 2001 and recognized that from that point on, children look at the world differently. And so do we, don't we? And what's interesting about devastation is an apocalyptic mentality that has come to mankind. And I'm going to use movies to illustrate this. Apocalyptic trending, right? How many of you have seen all that's going out in the media concerning apocalyptic trending? I did a quick uh, review of movie themes. In the 50s, there were 12 movies with an apocalyptic uh, theme, Right, and they're kind of funny if you've ever seen a 1950s movie with the the science spaceships and all this kind of stuff. Twelve apocalyptic movies, besides all the beach blanket bingo movies too. So, in the 60s, 23 kind of got a little moving a little further with a lot of 
trending there. And then in the 70s, 35 movies, it's increasing the apocalyptic mentality of what's going on in the world. Uh, out of an entire year, 12 months, uh, I'm sorry, a decade, out of 10 years, 35 movies. That's not too many, really, when you think about it. The next 10 years in the 80s, 35 again. Everybody was concerned with themselves in the 80s, so nobody paid attention to anything else. In the 90s, 35 again. Okay, so apocalyptic movies, they're interesting, sci-fi stuff, it's kind of cool. Something happened in the 2000s. In the decade of the 2000s, all of a sudden, we go to 62 major motion pictures that have an apocalyptic. Uh, apocalyptic, thank you. I had to read the screen. Apocalyptic uh, um, sense to it, right? And, and it's trending. Again, after 2001, this thing is moving, this thing is moving, and, and now it seems to be a regular feature. In fact, that's the main entertainment is what are we going to do when the planet dies? 2010 to 2016 is where we are now. We're not even through with the decade, and we're already at 66. It just is trending. How many of you know apocalyptic mentality is trending? In TV, it's trending. Survivalism is trending. All of this because everybody has a sense, don't they? On this planet, something's coming. The entire psyche of our planet is trending towards an apocalyptic representation. And when we look in Matthew 24 for a present truth on how to handle it, Jesus says, church, don't be troubled. Now, isn't that an amazing thing? Because in the end times it says, men's hearts shall what? Fail them for fear. Why would we not be afraid? We know who the Master is. We know who the Lord is, the King of all creation, the one who is going to bring forth and get through all this and bring His kingdom. So we need to be ready for that and a people who are not afraid of what is coming. If you're aware of what's trending, you'll not be afraid. And so two things he lists here that are going to bring devastation. One is wars, and that's human conflict. And the second are natural disasters, and that's natural conflict. So there's a conflict that's going on with the physical planet and the physical realm that's going to bring a devastation on mankind, and the agitation in mankind is also going to bring war between kingdoms and nations, politically and uh, over boundaries, and, and who has the bigger stick, as they say, right? So this is where we're going to see things in devastation. Now, how many of you know that uh, man is supposed to have dominion over the earth, and what happens with man happens to the earth, right? When Adam fell, what fell with him? All of creation. So as man goes, creation goes. If man moves into chaos and war and defeat, guess what else goes into chaos, war, and defeat? But something else is happening and trending spiritually, so let's take a look at wars. Matthew 24, 22, it says this, And if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved or delivered. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Why? I'll get to that in a minute. I'm glad you asked, but hold on. Now the concept of wars and rumors of wars, what's the idea of rumors? The word rumor in Greek uh, is akeo, and it means a sense of hearing or reporting. 
So there will be constant reports of wars. There will be wars going on and then the constant report of wars. You know, a hundred years ago, you didn't hear what was going on over in another land. We have news 24-7. And how many of you watch the news and get pretty depressed? Why do they put the news on right before you're supposed to go to bed? Go to bed earlier. All right? And, and you'll sleep better. But the news is basically what people are doing to each other. And it's not a pretty picture, is it? Person to person, nation to nation, city to city, there is terror, there are wars. And you're going to continually hear the reporting of it. Now, in the 20th century, which is interesting, it was the most murderous in recorded history. The 20th century. It makes sense that as we saw this escalation from the, from the 50s to the 2000s that, that we saw this apocalyptic trending getting worse. In the, two, the 20th century, it was the most brutal. The total number of deaths caused by or associated with war are 187 million. From 1914 to the year 2000, it was a century of almost unbroken war than any other time in human history. Than any other time in human history, the 20th century. In the 16th century, conflict-related deaths was 1.6 million. In the 17th century, 6.1. In the 18th century, 7.0. In the 19th century, 19.4 million. And it jumps into the 20th century at 109. Do you think that's an increase? That's an outrageous increase from the, from the highest until then was the 19th century at 19 million people to 109 million people in the 20th century. That is an escalation of war and rumors of war or news of war that is unheard of. And that's the 20th century. Ah, but we're in the 21st century and things are better. No, they are. They're, they're all better. Stephen Pinkner, author of The Better Angels of Our Nature, and Joshua Goldstein, author of Winning the War on War, have written two books that have become popular bestsellers. And in these both bestsellers, their trendings and their statistics show that, in fact, war has decreased immeasurably, so significantly that there is a lack of war and there's a great peace. And people are loving this, they're celebrating it, and they're receiving it. Yeah, it's like, aren't you watching the news? And so they're propagating this idea, war is down, war has decreased, we're an enlightened people, we love everybody. Maybe in your bubble, but out in the world, I don't think so. And folks have reviewed their statistics and looked at them and have raked them across the coals and said, your statistics are so poorly put together, you have an agenda and you want to bring peace. And it reminds me of the scripture that says, right when they say, peace, peace, what they're not realizing is actually what's trending is war, war. What might be happening is that, in fact, war is changing. Technology is changing what we understand war to be. You may not see as many ground troops or people deployed, but the acts of war with mass destruction and weaponry is changing the way people go to war. So that affects the trends and the statistics, but the devastation 
is just as powerful. Now instead of sending troops, we send drones. Do you see the difference? The casualties have shifted and changed. How many of you remember smart bombs? Star Wars. All these different things, right? The smart bombs didn't turn out to be too smart. But uh, they're working on it. And how many of you know so much technology goes into war? And so we've got to be careful and remember that, again, those days are going to be cut short. Why? Because man has reached a level in his technology of war that man has the ability through nuclear capabilities to destroy this planet. So why would God cut short This activity of war and devastation, so it doesn't, we don't destroy it before he is able to redeem it. No human, he said, in those days, and if those days had not been cut short, no human being, let me say it again, no human being would be saved. Again, you've got to realize that word saved. Anytime Christians read saved in the Bible, they think, oh, uh, accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The word is bigger than that. It's sozo, and it means delivered. No human being would be delivered from that time if God had not cut it short because of the the depravity of man and the technology and ability to destroy this planet ten times over. God has to intervene so that we don't cut short His plan to redeem us. Amen? All right. And so, for the sake of the elect... Those days will be cut short because there are people that God saves through this tribulation period that he is going to bring into salvation and through the resurrection have changed bodies to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Now that's that. That's what's trending there. And then uh, we go to the second aspect of devastation and we look at nature, natural disasters. And if you'll remember in the quote that we read from Matthew, it says, this is the beginning of the birth pains. Birth pains. I don't know how many of you have been pregnant. About half the congregation I can see. Birth pains, in the King James, pangs. I don't know what that means, but it's pains. Uh... How many of you know after nine months, you begin pains? And what are those pains supposed to do? Get that baby out. Delivery. Now, this is what the church needs to begin to understand. When all this is busting loose, Jesus says, don't be troubled. When all this is busting loose, he says, I've got a people coming through this. When all this is busting loose and it seems like the end of the world, it's the apocalypse, Jesus said, it's just the beginning of the birth of the kingdom of God. We have got to restructure our understanding of what's happening in this world. God is saving this world. He's bringing redemption and his kingdom into this planet, folks. In fact, the seven-year tribulation, everybody looks at it as the wrath of God, and it is the wrath of God being poured out, but there's a purpose for it. That is being poured out so that after every vial, every trumpet, every bowl, you'll see the statement, and they did not repent so what was the purpose of every one of these things repentance 
And we see so many people coming unto salvation in that time period because it's the last call and God is doing a final sweep to bring the elect into the kingdom. And so if we would understand that and not be troubled, but no, this is the greatest time, these are the birth pains that were spoken of in the book of Romans. It says this, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself would be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation is groaning together with pains of childbirth until now. The manifestation of the sons of God. Now Paul's saying that all of creation is moaning and groaning for the birthing of the kingdom of God that Jesus brought. And Jesus tells us that these last days where there's going to be such devastation, the reason the earth is going through such calamity is she's getting ready, she's groaning, she's moaning, the continental plates are shifting, the weather is altering, all of this is going on because the manifestation of the kingdom of God is on its way. There's a birth coming. Aren't you excited about this? We get excited about a birth. There's a birth coming, and that is the full redemption of our bodies when Christ returns. And the planet is getting ready with it. So you've got this incredible dynamic. It's a very dynamic period. All right? The dynamic period is that the kingdom of God is coming closer and calling men to repentance while the kingdom of darkness and man's depravity is increasing and it is causing calamity in the earth and wherever you got a cold front and a hot front coming together, you got a storm. And that's what's going on. But you remember when Jesus was in the boat with the apostles, and the storm was kicking up the wind and tossing the waves, and they were like, ah, Jesus, don't you care about us? He says, chill, man, brothers, what's the deal? Peace. What did he say to the wind and the waves? Peace. What's he saying to the church? Peace. Understand where you are and discern the times. And so if you have the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ, I have had the opportunity to be in many calamities and many devastating situations i've i've been in places where people are are killed where people die i've been in places with great tragedy and when you can enter into those places in the presence of christ and you bring his presence into it and you bring a peace upon people it changes that atmosphere because the devil works on terror It's all he's got that's his greatest weapon, fear, 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 and fear melts faith. But if you would show up, church, in the midst of devastation, if you would show up, people, individually, if you would show up in a situation of calamity and say, God's got this, and bring the presence of God into it and comfort those who mourn, you're bringing to bear the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. Are you willing to do that? I know you can, because I know you, folks, and you are an amazing people. You are compassionate. You are caring. You are giving. You, you folks, I know you. You would run to a problem. You would run into it and say, what's the problem? Well, everybody's running away, because you know the heart of Jesus. That's who you are. Now, these things are increasing in scope, intensity, and frequency, just as labor pains do when you're getting to that ninth month, right? 
they get pretty intense, don't they? Now, according to recent studies, it's true that the number of natural and geophysical disasters taking place each year is skyrocketing. In 1970, the average of natural disasters that were reported was 78. In 2004, it's jumped to 348. From 1980 to 2009, there was an 80% increase in climate-related disasters. Between 1981 and 1990, uh, it's been roughly $528 billion lost because of natural disasters. But between 2001 and 2010, it's $1.2 trillion. If you look at the seismograph, if you look at this biological disasters, geophysical disasters, hydrological disasters, meteorology, and climate changes, you see that by 1990 and especially 2000, hitting it into 2010, the increase in natural disasters has risen dramatically. What are we going to do about that? There's nothing I can do about it. It's the nature. It's, 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 anyways, it happens in some foreign land. It doesn't happen here. No, it happens everywhere, doesn't it? What's the body of Christ supposed to do in this situation? Pray and meet the needs of these people. Right? Where does the presence of Jesus show up most? Where he's needed most. Where people are crying out. Do you know this is the number one reason most people leave Christianity or have an offense with God? Where were you, God, when this happened? Right? But if we would show up and say the presence of the Lord is here in the midst of calamity. Calamity has happened from the first day of the fall. Uh, Right after the fall, you've got murder in the family. Tragedy happens. Jesus promised there will be tribulation with you always. God has always allowed for natural disaster. But if I'm a Christian, he'll have me avoid it. Tell that to the rest of the world. Come on, folks. Buildings, tornadoes, things fall on Christians and unchristians alike. They do. They do. Just as the Word of God says, God causes the sun to shine and the rain to fall on the good and the evil, so good and evil befall both good and evil people. That's how God allows this world to continue. And if He were to intervene in one particular situation, He must be invited by human prayer, again the dominion power, to bring in, to move, But if he intervened in this situation, he needs to intervene in everybody's life, and now there's no longer any free will, is there? Because there is evil that permeates all our lives. So, these kind of disasters, look at the level, isn't this interesting, earthquakes? From 1900 to 1905, every five years, you see some shifts and increases. What in the world's going on that in the year 2000 to 2008, you've got that level of change? birth pangs. Yes, that's what's trending. So if we're paying attention to what's trending, church, because we want to discern the times, we need to have a present truth, a present reality word for this kind of stuff. And so we need to be a people who are poised and ready to declare the word of the Lord, to bring the peace of God, and to bring faith, hope, and love to a dying world and to preach the gospel more than ever. Would you think we should preach the gospel more than ever? 
On the Titanic, when would have been a good time to preach the gospel? While it was still afloat. But when she was going down, you had time to get people right with God. How many of you remember on 9-11, the surge, resurgence of people coming back to church? Are you ready to bring people back to church? Amen. Larry is. It's the only guy I heard say amen. Amen. (laughs) I know you are. I know you are. But I want to give you one more thing to pay attention to that's trending with the sense of devastation and what is shifting. Again, I have to go back to the human aspect of all that's shifting, and I want to bring a word to you that you need to pay attention to. Singularity. Singularity. What is the concept of singularity? It's the technological tipping point, if you will. The singularity is a future point when society and economics and technology changes so rapidly, so fast, and so beyond the human mind, we can no longer comprehend the speed at which intelligence is processing. Some of you feel that way with computers right now, right? (laughs) You ask your kids, could you show me how to put an attachment on this email? And they go, yeah, click, 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 click. And you go like, could you show me one more time? (laughs) Right? Trying to do your banking. You're wondering, how did I lose all that money so quickly? It's basically when technology surpasses surpasses brain power. What's been happening is this. This is our problem. Our blind spot has come from the fact that we have lived in a linear world. We've done everything one thing that leads to another thing to another thing, but something has shifted dramatically in our world to change it from linear to exponential. One improvement increases another improvement, multiplying to another improvement, and the level of exponential technology and growth has shifted so rapidly, we don't know what to do with it. I'm just going to live my days out and, and forget about all that. Come on, folks, we've got to be there for our children. We've got to be training them and equipping them. Can I tell you something that all of this technology and all this information still can't compare to the technology of the Holy Spirit? It cannot. And all of it is a satanic imitation, an attempt to do what God does with his people through the power and indwelling Holy Spirit. We have the goods, folks, that's greater exponentially unto him who's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could what? Ask or imagine. That's exponential power of the Holy Spirit. So you freak out about all these computers and the technology that's racing and it's changing uh, mankind, but we've had that technology beyond that through the presence of the Holy Spirit. But the church is not using it. We're using it to say, hey, we can get more money and have bigger houses because God's giving us prosperity. It's like, get over it. Use the technology to save the lost and win this world for Jesus. Amen, you with me? You with me? Somebody's with me. All right, you're with me. Praise God. So again, this exponential level of knowledge and wisdom is coming. Let me give you an example. Uh, Shifting societally from technology. One of my favorite places my wife and I go to is uh, Greenfield Village. 
Anybody like Greenfield Village? Greenfield Village is a great map of technology of where we got from the farm. As soon as you enter in, you turn left and you can see the Firestone Farm. And from the farm, they develop technology to bring in the harvest and, and tractors and machinery, which brought in the industrial age, which brought in the automobile, which brought in the mechanics, which brought in arts and crafts and, and uh, developed there, which they developed greater machinery. So agriculture to industry took 8,000 years to advance. And you can see it at Greenville Village. From the industrial age to the light bulb, you can see the Edison place, and something happened when the light bulb was invented. Some believe that the light bulb is in fact the most, uh, well, up until now, has been one of the most important advances in human history. Do you know why? It created second shift. Now you've got day anytime you want. So then you have more workers to accomplish more things, making more things, and typically that means more weapons. From the, that was 120 years from the industrial age to the light bulb. So something's happening now exponentially. From the light bulb to the moon landing, 90 years. Can you believe that? Just 90 years from the invention of the light bulb to landing on the moon. From the moon landing to the World Wide Web, it was just 22 years, and here we go. From there, now from the web to DNA sequencing, we are at nine years. This thing is just boom, 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 boom. Where are we going to be in two years? How many of you have new phones? Right? Because two years ago, your phone's outdated. If you have a two-year-old phone, how many of you know that? It's just exponential, Right? I mean, I grew up with if it's broke, you fix it and keep it. Not anymore. If it's broke, it's broke. <laughs> you throw it out. Because the new one's got all these other bells and whistles you wish you had. So this exponential growth, and again, what are we going to do with this? This is what's trending, folks. But I have to remind you, this is scary stuff. And it feels scary when you're watching the news. And it's changing. It's changing your world, isn't it? It's changing what was comfortable. And it's changing what was pleasing. But this has been going on since the church was birthed. You know, they used to throw us into the lion's den. And so forth. This is nothing new. But it's intensifying. So what are we going to do? We're going to be the ecclesia, the called out ones, the church. I wish I could get you excited at your identity as to who you are. This world is looking at superheroes. They love Captain America. They love Superman. They like to consider that. And they look, how can we make an engineer that? I'm telling you, they're here already. It's the church. But I don't feel like Superman. But you've got the power, the super, the supernatural power of God that the church is going to move back into that place of effectual, fervent prayers. The technology, if I could use that term, of praying in the Spirit is going to raise the dead, heal the sick, cast out demons, and deliver people into the kingdom of God. That's what it's meant to do. And we're the called out ones. And in Ephesians 4, verse 11, I'll finish up. I know that this is uh, going on for you, but let me read to you for Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 to convince you what God had in store all along. Chapter 4, verse 11, he said this, He gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers to the church to equip the saints. Everybody say equip. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, 
until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure and full stature of Jesus Christ. We're growing up. While there's birth pains, we're growing up to the full stature of Jesus. Let me ask you something. When Jesus was in his full stature in the third year of his ministry, what did he accomplish? Awesome and wonderful things. If we're attaining that full stature of Christ now, globally, we are on this planet to rescue the perishing and manifest and demonstrate the kingdom of God. And I close with this. We are not to be troubled. We are to be aware of the times and we're to bring in something that has more value than any technology and anything else people want. And it is the power of the Holy Spirit to bring these three things that Paul speaks of. They are faith, hope, and love. These three things remain. And the world doesn't understand the power of faith, but the church does. That's why we're going to stand and not be afraid. They don't understand the power of hope, but we do. Hope changes everything. And what we have hoped for, we walk towards in faith. And the greatest of these is what? Love. They will hate you, Jesus said, but you are to love them. And this is what is going to pull humanity into the kingdom of God. Despite devastation, despite wars, the love of God in you, demonstrated to others, will bring people to Christ. Are you with me? Amen. So that's not good enough. Are you with me? Okay. I was ready to run and I didn't feel anybody was behind me. We're going to do this, folks. We're going to do this. We're going to live for Jesus in such a unique way, person to person. You have lives to touch, people to reach. They're going to go through devastating times. You will too. And how you track through that by the faith, hope, and love you have will draw them to Jesus. Amen? If you have faith, hope, and love, stand with me this morning. Amen. Amen. Don't you love a God who can multiply from the smallest to the greatest? He took what? Three loaves, five fish, five fish, three loaves, five loaves, three fish. Any combination he can use. (laughs) Multiplied it to 5,000. Jesus said, he never had a rating as to how much. He said, if you have as little as a mustard seed, right? How many of you have a mustard seed this morning? Well, this thing's going to grow. Faith, hope, and love. Lift your hands up and pray with me. Heavenly Father, say it again. Heavenly Father, I am your servant, and I will live to your glory. I will not be afraid, but I will share the love of Jesus to this dying world all the days of my life. Call on me. And I will be faithful. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's worship.